Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Lissandro Kaunitz and Javier Kreiner. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Lissandro Kaunitz and Javier Kreiner. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. Hello, Hi, Jake. Lee. Thanks for having us. This, this will be fun. I, I came across your research paper entitled Beating the Bookies with Their Own Numbers and How the Online Sports Betting Market is Rigged. And I, I thought I'd love to chat with you both about the paper and, and your backgrounds and how you got into it. So why don't we start with your backgrounds and we can start with you, Lissandro. Okay. Uh, I, I studied in Buenos Aires. I'm from Buenos Aires, Argentina. I was born and raised there. I studied psychology. And I'm a cognitive neuroscientist. Or at least I was a cognitive neuroscientist up to very recently. And uh, I did a PhD in Italy, in, in Trento. And then some postdocs in, in the UK, Australia, in, in Melbourne, and in Japan. And now I live in Japan. And I worked for a tech company here in, in Tokyo. So basically, yeah, my, my background is cognitive neuroscience, and, uh, and now I work in a project to assist the visually impaired to navigate uh, the world. A bit different, but yeah. my expertise there. Yes. What, what about you, Javier? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm also from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. I am a mathematician and also a computer scientist. I studied in, at the University of Buenos Aires, and then I, I went to Europe, to Edinburgh, and and Italy to to continue my studies and I I did some neuroscience. That's how I met Lisandro to some in research in neuroscience. And then I nowadays I'm working for a fintech company that does lending for a small and medium science business in Latin America. It's called an impressive line, yeah. Uh, that's what I do nowadays. So, Javier, your background sounds more in line with creating mathematical models to uh, approach the sports betting market. Did you both come up with the idea or did you have some initial interest given your mathematics background? Well, the original idea was actually from Lisandro and he also is also more into into football and and that's how it got started. He, he, he kick-started it. I just... Uh, well, he, he told me about it and I, we started looking into it. Well, at the beginning, we didn't have, we didn't know if it would work or if we would reach some results, right? Uh, yeah, well, I did most of the programming or some of the programming, but the analysis and everything was, was together. So, Lissandro, what made you look into this area and, and want to do research uh, as you've done? Yes, I, I've never wanted to do research on this area. So I just, I like football. 
uh, Argentina, you know, in Argentina, everyone is, is, is a football fan. It's soccer for the US, but football, like, as we call it in the, in the rest of the world. And uh, I suppose I started with this, this project. Well, I started before Melbourne, but it, it developed while, while I was in Melbourne. I was having some, some difficulties in my research. And uh, I, I suppose I was a bit bored. And I found this project like very interesting or amusing in, in, in my spare time. And it grew from there. And then I, I, I shared this project with Javier. And we said, oh, we, we could analyze this data and see these, these, these patterns. And it started to work out somehow. And th there's a third person who contributed to the paper, which is Shen Shun Song. He's, he's in Melbourne. He's a PhD student in, at Monash in, in Melbourne. And also I started with him, talking to him and discussing these ideas with him. And this is how it grew. So we, we never set our goal to say, okay, let's, let's do research on football betting. It just it was a side project. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to summarize what I thought were the key components from your research paper. And please uh, let me know if I've, if I've made a, a good fist of having an accurate summary. So from the paper, it mentions, our results demonstrate that the football betting market is inefficient. Bookmakers can be consistently beaten across thousands of games in both simulated environments and real-life betting. The sports betting market is rigged against successful bettors through discriminatory practices, and the inefficiencies are compensated by these restrictive practices. Is that a good analysis or summary from my perspective, or have I missed uh, some of the key parts? I think, so. I think it's pretty good, yes. I just wanted to sort of put the main sort of ideas out there as we begin. Uh, and if anyone wants to access this paper, I suggest they go online and, and read it. They can go on uh, they can go on Lissandro's blog and find it. I'll put a link to it as well so people can easily find it. From the very beginning, when you got started with this paper, obviously we just went through exactly what the, the final results might be. What component did you think was going to be the most difficult or most time-consuming in order to to prepare this research and, and, and ultimately place bets on the online betting market? I think that there were some technical challenges uh, about setting up the data collection machinery and uh, so getting the service up and running and maintaining them running all the time and that, that nothing goes wrong uh, and then do it for many months and until we collected enough data and were sure that our strategy was was working. Um, well, that's from the technical side, right? So, but then there was also a human side in which we had to actually put the the bets. When, when, once we had our strategy and we had our dashboards and we were sure that what we were doing made sense. So that meant saying many hours or standing guard in front of the computer, looking at the, the opportunities that came and go to each bookie and bet uh, the right amount, etc. Those were some of the challenges we had. So taking it back to the very beginning then, in very simple terms, if you can, explain the strategy that you came up with that led to the dashboard, that led to the bets coming through. What was the underlying approach and describing that in very general terms for those who may not have read the, the paper in detail? Well, the, the, the strategy basically looks for, for bets which have a, a positive expected value. We look at the odds and we have an estimate of the probability. For example, let's say Barcelona plays against Real Madrid and we construct based on the odds in the whole market a, 
an estimate probability of the result coming up coming up. so if Barcelona winning against Germany, we say okay, the probability is I don't know fifty five percent, and then we look at all the odds offered and we see if any of those odds pays more than they than it should given that probability. That's basically the approach. Take us through your method of calculating the probability of the Barcelona to win, for example. What did you do that was unique? I know you aggregated bookmakers' odds, but just take us through the, the process of, of doing that and, and what led you to do that instead of what most people will do and create their own models. Well, the reason we did that was that we noticed that the average odd or the collected odds in the market were very good predictors of the result of the game or, or the odds or the probability of the event so to say so to speak the barcelona winning against real madrid those odds that were published were a very good predictor and in the end we didn't need to construct our own model so that's the reason we didn't do it and so we collect the odds from all the bookmakers do sort of an average and with that we have to adjust the the probability by a small number because we have to take into account that the the odds have inside of them the the cost of the of, so the the bookmakers make a margin out of the, the odds like they so they pay a bit less than they should right in general so you have to adjust for that and then once you have the probability you look at all the odds published and see if any of those odds for some reason is above what they should pay so you're using a version of wisdom of the crowds or wisdom of the bookmakers, which obviously their prices contain a lot of information from the market. Uh, I guess one quick question on that, which is probably looking forward a little bit, but the analysis was that the the betting markets are inefficient or you know the football betting markets can be inefficient and can be exploited. In saying that, it's, it's balancing that with um, using the bookmakers' odds or aggregated average bookmakers' odds, let's say, there needs to be a balance between the, the markets being ultimately inefficient and able to be exploited, and then also using the bookmakers' odds themselves and the wisdom of the crowds as your baseline. Did you think about how that might be counterintuitive, or were you, you okay with that? It seems counterintuitive, but uh, I don't think it is. It's uh, the, the bookmakers, what we discover, we didn't discover it, this is something... I would say many professional gamblers they know is that the, the mean of the closing odds is one of the very most accurate. It's a very accurate estimator of the of the probability of the outcome of the game. So if bookmakers say there's 50% chance, or they, if they pay two that Barcelona will win, and Barcelona plays that game a thousand times, 50% of the time the result ends with the Barcelona win. So when you see this in a lot of games, as we did, I mean, we, we just said, okay, they, they have an, an excellent model. In my opinion, that's an excellent model of, of, of prediction. So how can you beat that? I mean, you need, you need more, one way is to have more information than they have about the games. But we, thought, we said, no way. I mean, how are we going to have new or more information about each game than bookmakers? So we thought, okay, then the way out of doing that is just finding value, finding other bookmakers who pay more than, than, than what they should. 
based on, on these mean closing odds. And then the marketing efficient, so the model is very accurate per models, but bookmakers they need to, there's variance in the odds. They need to offer different odds. And in that sense, I think we, we said it's a market, it's an inefficiency in the market. There's variance there. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I completely understand. I, uh, one question I had uh, reading through was, what was your thought process when you're calculating what the the aggregated bookmaker odds should be to uh, identify the chances of, of either team winning, let's say? You mentioned then that the closing line or the starting price um, is you know, the best indicator. Obviously, the match wouldn't have started and you wanted to place a bet or did you only bet during the games? Because I guess if you wanted to have the closing line, you can't get that until the match starts. And if you wanted to bet pre-match, you know, I think you mentioned five hours before up to one hour before the match. How did you calculate what you think the closing line might be uh, in advance of that happening? We we use what you said. But we we didn't pre- predict. We just noticed that it was pretty close. The So a few hours before the start of the game, the odds were already pre- pretty close to the the closing line uh, and we did simulations for for many thousands of games to see if if it worked betting with the odds uh, like five hours before the start of the game and it did so we didn't have to actually bet uh, uh, when the game was going on but a little bit before i see i want to talk a little bit about your back testing approach obviously you probably collected a lot of data or had a lot of data that you could use. Take us through how rigorous your back testing was and how important it is from a, a data science perspective to make sure that back testing is, is done in a meaningful way. Yeah, well, our the data we collected, uh, which by the way, is, everything is online and you, everyone, can, everyone can use it uh, and download it and do their own analysis. Uh, we have put it in GitHub and also in Kaggle, there's a data set where we put, and there was also the code that we used to analyze and uh, do everything that we did. Why, your question was, why, why do you think our analysis is, is, I mean, accurate and we are sure that, or we were sure that we could start betting for, for real, right? Yeah, why didn't you just start betting on day one and not do any backtesting? Why is backtesting so critical? <laughs> yeah, that's oh. pretty <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty important, yeah. So, because we... we so we are scientists and we have that background and until we're not sure of a, that a hypothesis is true, we won't start betting, right? We, we, were, we wanted to be extremely sure that what we thought was right. And the only way to be sure is to look at a lot of data from the past. And in this case, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of games, right? So many th- hundreds of thousands of games and a strategy that we back tested is hundreds of thousands of games for I think it was 10 years or between 5 and 10 years. Yeah. Almost 500,000 uh, games. And then we we sort of refined our, our, our backtesting because this this first 500,000 games were for closing odds. But then we needed to have what you mentioned that, oh, how do you know that the closing or how do you approximate the closing odds from odds before? And then what you, we had to do was to collect the odds and then on an ongoing ongoing basis, so uh, start collecting for we did that for six months, where we look at the odds at every moment, and we collect that in our database, and we back test 
more precisely, taking into account that we cannot bet at the moment of the start of the match, knowing the closing odds, but we will have to do it a bit earlier. So uh, basically, there was, a, there was a scrapper, there was a program collecting odds continuously. And it was, it was giving alerts to us, and we could do simulations on how those uh, odds would, would do in real life. We would simulate placing a bet and then waiting for the game to end and then calculating the, the, the outcome. Bootstrap analysis, you took random sample of games as well throughout your testing. Take us through, take us through that and, and it's obviously a very rigorous process, a very necessary scientific process to ensure the hypothesis is correct. And I know that sports bettors out there will have hypothesis themselves. They'll go back and test them. I don't think they'll go in as much detail as you, I'm guessing. So just take us through what the bootstrap analysis means in, in simple terms and also why you took random samples of games as well. And I know there was, um, was basically the outcome was that there was more than 10 standard deviations above the mean. So just take us through some of that. Actually, what the model we constructed didn't have any many trainable parameters. Actually, there was only one parameter to train. So... What we did was uh, we didn't test many values of this. There's one parameter that talks about the what's the margin of the bookie that's of the, or of, of the bookies, right? And that's the only parameter that we use to that is in quotes trainable. Uh, but we actually didn't overfit to that parameter because we we just took a few values, possible values that we thought were reasonable and. It works, in general, it works for every parameter, but there's a trade-off when you modify this, this parameter. If you put it too high, then you have less matches. If you put it too low, then you, sort, you don't win so much for each bet, or, or the expected value of the bet is not so positive. But answering your question, from our analysis, which was taking, took into account many thousands of games, hundreds of thousands of games, we were very sure about well, that the strategy would work. We, we even, so I told you about two, two steps of the analysis. First, we uh, took the closing odds of uh, 400,000 games, and then we uh, did the same analysis, but not with the closing odds, but with odds a few hours before the start of the match. And then we did paper trading. So we set up all the systems where we had dashboard, and we actually started saying, oh, we will bet in this, uh, at, and we will bet here and here and here, and we did that for several months. And after that process of simulation, in which we simulated what we will be actually be doing when we started our strategy for real, we also had good results. And that increased our, our confidence in, the, in what we were doing, and then we started uh, betting for real. Yeah, I, I would say one, one thing. So in, in science, when, when you have an effect, so if you're studying any process or any, if you do an experiment, you want to be sure your, your results are not due to chance. So in our case, we wanted to be sure that if we placed bets one to five or eight hours before the game, in, in the end we did one to five, but we tested also one to eight and one to ten. We wanted to be sure this, that if we were earning money, it was not due to chance. And it's very easy to, to be deceived, to deceive yourself into believing that you have something when, it, when it's just noise. So to do that, we simulated many, ga many games in which we just picked randomly 
a bet and place a, a bet to the maximum odd offered on that game. And what, what we saw is that our strategy was making money and, and all these strategies were always losing money. So and, and it was very consistent, the result. And we said, okay, this is not chance. This is, this is going to work. I think that's when we, when we said, okay, this is going to work in real life. And then as Javier said, we, we tried the paper trading and it was also working. You see the numbers, you want more control. On the Betfair exchange, you can back, lay, trade and set your own odds. So join the world's largest peer-to-peer -peer betting platform. Get into the game within the game at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. What about when you started actually trading? Obviously, there's the simulation and there's you know analysis you can do. What about the... Take us through the results of the actual trading from that perspective, and then I want to talk about some of the challenges of, of actually doing it afterwards. Yeah, that, that was that was the exciting part, I would say. So at this, at this moment, we said, okay, we did all this analysis and we had all this data. And then suddenly we said, okay, this is going to work. I remember I was like, yes, it's going to work. So then we said, why don't we do it in, in real life? Uh, and that's when we had to set up... Uh, a whole system of, of alerts and uh, you need somehow you need to know when these bets are coming and you need to be fast because the, the odds change all the time and so uh, that's when we started the logistics of, uh, of betting. We also had to open accounts with many bookmakers uh, because as, as we told you before it, the, the so the opportunities appear in specific bookmakers and we, you need to have an account with that book, specific bookmaker to be able to uh, take a, take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, well, and then, and then we had several challenges to to, to do that. Um, basically, the, the first challenge is that you need to be able to do the scripts, or you need to program and, and get the data from different sources and put them in a dashboard. We were showing them in a dashboard. The dashboard, is, we made it public online. Uh, it's also in the GitHub. So we could follow the odds. Then you need to open the accounts. Uh, and then um, Katya, my wife, uh, <laughs> basically she stayed many hours in front of the computer in a week. Uh, and I was doing it mainly also during the weekends. So that's also very, very challenging. You need, you need a lot of hours in front of the computer. We didn't op uh, automate, automate the whole process uh, because it takes a lot. It would take a lot of time to do this automatically, and it's, it's very difficult to do. So it has, so, to, it has to be done manually. So we, the, the, what, he, what Lisandro means that we didn't automate the betting, the actual betting. I see, I see. Yeah. So putting the bets in, in each bookmaker was manual. Okay, okay. So how did you go? Well, it, it, it went well in the, in the beginning. Uh, as we expected, we were making money. That was also very exciting. I have to say it's very fun, uh, at least in the beginning. Uh, to, 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 to bet online, uh, we started to win uh, and earn money, uh, but very fast we started to be blocked by, by bookmakers. So in some cases, uh, after we, we had a good luck, a strike of good luck, some other times it's just from the beginning, it, it didn't wait, it didn't wait much. Um, so then we started to be blocked, limited. Most of the time, it's not blocked, but they just limited our, our amounts, uh, the amounts we could bet. So we, we have decided on a bet of $50. So for each game, we betted $50. And what happened is that sometimes uh, we wanted to place a bet, and they said, no, you, you can't bet 50 you can bet 
1134. I remember this. Or, or 57 <laughs> cents. Yeah, or 57 cents. It was these, these weird numbers, it's why 1134. And this started to discourage us. So after we, we were limited by seven or eight bookmakers, we, we said, okay, no, this is, we felt it was a waste of time, basically. Did you expect any of that to happen? Did you anticipate that perhaps if you were betting at, you know, close to closing line or even beating the closing line or winning over time, even if it is $50 bets, that you would be shut down or restricted like you were? Yes, yes and no. So we, we, this is, as, as I said before, we, we were very naive. We are very naive with respect to betting. We're not professional gamblers. So my guess was that, well, we're going to get uh, limited. But I, I thought, I mean, this is a big market. We are placing $50. We, we thought it was okay. It was not $1,000 each bet. So we said, maybe we can make 1000 to $2,000 on each account. That was, that was my, my miscalculation. I said, okay, so we can make money with this. We could bet, earn 1000 to $2,000 for each account. And then if we get shut down, well, then we have Javier. He can do the same with his account, and, and, and Katya could do the same with her account. But that didn't happen. We, we were banned from very fast, almost from the beginning sometimes. Yeah, sometimes so, it, we couldn't even put a single bet. So, yes. want to put your first bet? No, sorry, you cannot do that. Wow, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I guess my next question is then, what was more difficult in your mind? Was it putting together the the research and the model and doing the back testing, or was it actually executing and deploying your betting strategy and trying to uh, manually place bets, manually avoid being restricted, and and doing those things? Mm. That's a difficult I, question. I, I mean, the analysis and the data connection took took us, I think, between one and two years. So that was a long time, but. Uh, but it was fun because, and we were doing something we are used to doing in science, and so, it, it, uh, and then I think for us the most challenging part was probably the part when we started betting for real. So you have to open the different accounts, transfer money, and then stay many hours in front of the computer do, doing repetitive work because you have to look for the opportunity, and, and that's not something. Uh, that's very fun. It's funny in the, the beginning. beginning it's funny, it's the funny beginning. in the beginning. But, but then it's just... And then the frustration of, of, of the fact that they start bluffing you. Uh, and some of them, even, even at the very beginning, as we said, and we're not talking about small bookmakers here. Uh, some of the biggest bookmakers just, for some reason, at the very beginning, very first bet, or even or the second bet, just they block you on you they can you cannot uh, bet yeah that that was a bit frustrating also because it, it, in our paper it's very clear so for our strategy to work which is a very simple strategy but for for this strategy to work you need a lot of games so if if they give you i don't know 50 games a month Unless you can bet a lot of money on them and, and, and you have a lot of money in your bank account because things can go wrong uh, for 500 to 600 games. We saw this in our simulation. So you need to be ready to lose money consistently and then you will win eventually. 
But with these very few games, it, it wouldn't work. So it was like, it was the end. When we saw that, we said, this is, this is not, it will never work in real life. So for the statistics to kick in, you need hundreds of games, right? Uh, and then, of course, if, we could, if you could put uh, a very, an arbitrary sized bet, then, then we would have, it would have worked, right? Because if you put the $1,000 bet, well, we, we would have multiplied our winnings by 20. Yes, so. but you need enough money to back the, the bad yeah, of breaks. So when, when things go wrong and you lose eight games in a row, you need... Yeah, well, so in, reality, in reality, that didn't happen to us. And yeah, there are some streaks during the simulation that it might happen. But in general, that would be very bad luck. And if you have just some, you allowed for enough money to be able to withstand this starting uh, bad luck, if you have it, then things, I mean, the strategy should work from the simulations. So did it leave any unanswered questions for you or did it raise any unanswered questions? And I guess one I might have is, did you consider using betting exchanges instead of bookmakers? Uh, any things like that that were, I guess, in the analysis post the bets being placed and, and shutting down the betting, were there any aspects that uh, were unanswered from your perspective? Questions regarding the industry. I think Lisandro has as many questions about that. Yes, I have some questions about the industry. Um, to, to answer first your question, we we, we used uh, Betfair in our uh, simulations. So what we call bookies, we collected data from Betfair, um, but but we never thought of, of using it uh, consistently. There are not many opportunities, I think, with, with this strategy. I think most people betting on in Betfair they know about the closing odds. So no, we, we didn't consider that. Also, it, yeah, it, it was a matter of amount of games, I think. That's why we didn't go there. And, and for the unanswered questions, we, we had discussions and, and we exchanged emails and, and comments with a lot of people since we put the paper online. Some from the industry, some people working uh, for book, bookmakers. Uh, and we were arguing against and in favor of, of this idea of is the market rigged or not? And I think that's a matter of, it could be a matter of opinion, but one unanswered question to us is, what's the proportion of, of successful gamblers that are out there? How many people, how many clients from, from the bookmakers, from the online bookmakers, which is what, what we did in, in our paper, are able to make a profit, sustainable profit with their betting? And we asked this question to, to some of these people and, and they, they couldn't give us an answer. So to me, this is a big question to me. What's the business of betting for the clients of the betting industry? Do you have a sense of what the answer might be or you are truly unsure and, and are throwing it out into the world to see if there is a, a better, better approach or answer? Yeah, we actually don't, don't actually know the, the answer to this question. So we, we suppose that not so many because the industry also has to make, maintain itself and make profits. So, but we are not sure. This is a legitimate question. We we don't know. How many people are there? And uh, also, how, how difficult it is to become what, what people call professional gamblers. Or I, I don't know what that means exactly, but I, I have no idea why, how much money can a professional gambler do or make in, in, his, in his life. So in our experience, 
we were blocked very, very fast. And we saw online that this is, this is the case very often. So, uh, for example, you had Peter Webb in one of your uh, podcasts before, and he has a video on YouTube in which he, he explains how he was blocked from, from, from the bookies. And he was not doing, using online bookies. He was going into the bookie shop and he was blocked in, in the UK. And there are many, many cases like this uh, online. So, I don't know, to me, to me it seems very difficult. And unless you have someone who lets you bet and doesn't limit you, it's very difficult. If you have someone that doesn't limit you, then they will know about the closing odds. So then you need to beat those models. And as, as we said, I, I think they are amazingly accurate at predicting the football games. Yeah, no, one thing I certainly took away from reading through your research paper was that you mentioned before it's a simple strategy. It may seem simple now after you've done it, but I'm guessing um, going through the process of the research, the analysis, you said it might have been one or two years putting together the model, back-testing it rigorously to make sure that in you know in those simulations of nearly half a million games that it's successful and then paper trading and then actual trading and then when you start actual trading, you need to set up accounts, try and place bets. When you do that, it's great. When you get blocked, it's another challenge. So I guess it just shows <laughs> the, the overarching challenge. And then you even touched on some of the, the uh, bankroll management aspects. If you have a losing run in the beginning, you need to have enough bankroll to sustain that so there's, there's i think it that one of the main elements it showed for me was there's so many different complicated and challenging aspects that go into even if you think it's a simple strategy i would say it's a very difficult rigorous process from start to finish and there's a lot of challenges along the way exactly well, yeah. yeah yes yes uh, there are technical challenges there yes yes so with this i, I i've written this in my blog post so this raises another question, which is, is it worth it? Um, I, I don't know. If you're very passionate about sports and, and, and you are a data scientist and, 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 and this is what you want to do in life, I would say, okay, and you find the way not to be limited in your account, I would say, yes, it, it's worth it. If not, to us, it was not worth it. So uh, it was not worth the effort. It was fun, but... Yeah, that's fascinating. So I'm guessing you may not, but do you have any other plans in this space or any further research or any projects on the way or is that one and done for you both? Well, Javier is in, the, is, is in a kind of betting market right now. Well, well it's not betting, it's lending. But uh, in the sense that it is a statistical, statistical facts that you have to take, I mean, you have to estimate... Uh, the the default rate and all of that in that sense is similar and that you make many loans also in that sense is so from the data scientists or probabilistic aspect is similar <laughs> and also the insurance industry is sort of similar right so yeah if we will do something with this from in the future maybe if we come up with a great idea or that we think oh maybe this works and then we try it maybe maybe we will it was definitely fun for me uh until we got left. What was the most useful takeaway? And maybe for someone that hasn't had the time to read the paper, and it may even be something we've already discussed, but what was the one thing take, one thing you took away from this whole you know, two-year process that you would like to share? Well, um, from, from the paper, you mean, or in general? 
yeah, just in general, you know, one thing that stands out to you, whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing. Well, I would say a positive thing is that uh, a simple strategy like this can can beat the bookies, at least in, in similar in, in theory. But in real life, I would say the takeaway is that this cannot be deployed. This strategy. So to me, that's that's a takeaway. So it works in theory, but uh, not not in practice. There's a gap between theory and reality here. Yeah. So so there's a gap between what you can simulate and what when you go to the real world, there are other issues that might prevent you from doing uh, what you expected. To do, and this is ge- this is in general in in many things in life, right? Yeah, uh, the uh, <laughs> the amount of effort that <laughs> the putting into practice an idea is is considerable, uh, and you have to be very motivated and and persistent. Absolutely, no, I know uh, I know those who follow Nassim Taleb would probably be nodding their head in agreement, but I want to thank you both for your time to come and chat. I'm just gonna mention again the the paper is called beating the bookies with their own numbers and how the online sports betting market is rigged and obviously there's the the blog post as well which is a bit shorter i think it's called beating the bookies and is it worth it so i'll put links to those up so people who are interested who want to read through and like you mentioned there's some um there's some mathematical and scientific aspects in the uh in the exhibits as well to to go through exactly what you did so thank you very much both for your time today it was great to chat uh, about your your research and your betting thanks thank a lot, you jake, jake. It was great thank you thanks a lot